1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Anfield Index Writers Podcast. I am Tom Holmes and joining me as ever is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, hi, how are you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Um, just sort of nervous excitement for Saturday. Um, you know, lots of talk from Real Madrid saying how we're not a very good team and how, you know, Manu would be a better prospect for the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so I'm looking forward to putting all that to bed and, and showing them that our fullbacks aren't mediocre. Uh, they are better than Spurs' fullbacks. Uh, that may be slightly controversial. But, um, yeah, you know, Saturday should be good. Hopefully it's number six. Um, and I'm sure you and me are very, very similar to our guest in that all our attentions are on the Champions League.
1: Robbo's gonna hit them like a fucking freight train. They are gonna have no idea what's hit them if they think Robbo's mediocre. Uh, and joining myself and Leanne this week is our esteemed guest, Ollie Emerson. Ollie, how are you, my friend? I am good, looking forward
2: in some ways to Saturday, but looking even more forward to discussing Saturday with you lovely people
1: on your lovely show. Oh, how lovely. Um, <laughs> we are going to discuss Kiev, and we're going to do things slightly differently this week. We're not going to really talk about one, one or two articles specifically. We're going to sort of do a general overview, because basically... Almost all of the articles out on the site at the moment are, of course, talking about Kiev. So it makes more sense, especially with the Champions League final now, just three days away from, from when we're filming this. Um, it makes more sense for us to, uh, makes more sense for us just to go straight into a discussion of the Champions League final. But we are going to use, obviously, a few of the articles that are already on the site. And obviously, we'd recommend that you check out all of the articles that are on the site regarding this. We're going to start sort of vaguely bouncing off one that Ash Heads has written, which is about Liverpool being on the verge of greatness. And all the different sort of elements that plays into that. So Liverpool being the underdogs and how we're sort of building up towards being this fearsome European team again, in the sense that, you know, Liverpool have always been one of these teams where even no matter how their domestic season is going, you never want to play them in the Champions League. And this is something that we are getting back towards, despite everything that has gone on in the Premier League, all the stuff going on behind the scenes, losing Coutinho, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and how... The opportunities are there and how this is Liverpool kind of showing where they are in terms of a return to the big stage. So, Ollie, I'm going to let you sort of go first and basically give us your overall thoughts on how you're feeling about Kiev. And if there's anything you wanted to pick out from Ash's article just to kick off, then obviously we can use that sort of segue into a wider discussion.
2: I'm excited and nervous in the same way as in. I think I speak for most of the fans when I say I can't I can't go five minutes without sort of thinking about it. And then but it it depends as in one five minute sort of thought it'll be like, Oh my god, we're gonna win four nil. I can't believe how much space Real Madrid are gonna give Salah and Marley to run right. And then the other bit is uh sort of, Oh my god, like Ronaldo's like ten feet tall when he leaps, he's gonna score three back post heads and we're gonna lose seven nil and I think it'll probably end up being somewhere in between. But, you know, it's I, I, can't, I, I obviously, as the baby there, I, I can't, I've got no memory really of Istanbul. I can remember bits of Athens. Um, but this is like, really like my first, like, real Champions League final. I mean, the only sort of trophy I can remember Liverpool winning is the, uh, League Cup in 2012, which was a glorious penalty shootout against Cardiff, which will go down in the memory. But I feel like this one on Saturday might be a teeny bit bigger, and it's sort of reflecting in my nerves. I think, um, What, what Ash said there about, um, sort of how we'll sort of propel Klopp's team from nearly men to genuine champions after sort of the 2 final defeats and sort of three years of consistent progress is bang on. I mean, I think as we're going to touch with what you said in another piece, Tom, later on about how Kiev's just the start for sort of what Klopp's looking to do in his Liverpool tenure, all the things he's going to win. But regardless of what happens from now on, if we, managed to win on Saturday, this team will go down in history as European champions for just the sixth time in sort of especially in the way they've done it in exceptional circumstances with the sort of budget wrong on compared to some of the teams will have faced and beaten, so it's a big one and I'm buzzing with nerves but yeah,
1: buzzing all the same Yeah Leanne, sort of same question to you how are you feeling about Kiev, how do you feel about Ash's article, just anything that Ollie said that you want to respond to?
0: Yeah, I think I think we're definitely going into it as underdogs, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, Real Madrid and the press in in Spain are very intent on, you know, stating how many finals Real Madrid have been in, how this could be their third consecutive trophy for the Champions League. So there is obviously a lot of um confidence within their camp, or there seems to be at least, that, you know, potential underestimation of this Liverpool team and what they've achieved. Um, just a, a couple of stats just to emphasize how good this season has been for Liverpool in terms of the Champions League. Three goals in 11 minutes in the home leg against Hoffenheim. Two goals in five minutes against Porto. Three goals in 19 minutes against Man City and a five goal, you know, craze against, um, Roma in under 35 minutes. So this is a team that's scoring for fun. We've, we've tightened up at the back. Dare I, dare I say that before a big final? Um but but yeah, this is a really, really exciting time for Liverpool. It is a work in progress, but this is definitely a, a huge step in the right direction. And of course, I hate to say it we could lose the final, I I hope we don't, but if we do, I still think there's a, a huge sense of progression from a team that's been in a, a couple of finals under Klopp already, but this one feels slightly different in that the, the project's getting stronger as Ash says in his article and you know, things are starting to, to fall into place.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, regardless of what happens in the final, there is no doubt that we are a team going in the right direction. Um, there's no doubt in my mind of that. Um, I think whatever we, whatever upsets, whatever problems we've had, I think Klopp has been able to just bounce everything, balance everything, get everything spot on. Um, and I, I certainly feel that, I feel, I feel, I do feel it's unfair for us to be going into this game as massive underdogs. I mean, obviously, Madrid and Madrid. They love winning this competition, but I they're not, they're nothing special. This is not the team that won it last year on the import. It's worth noting they were really, really good in the league last year. They were so comfortable. I'm, it's it's crazy to think only seven months, only nine months ago at the start of the season, it looks as like Madrid were going to be the ones who could go the entire La Liga campaign unbeaten and, and win the Champions League again. Not Barcelona. I think that's what a lot of people are forgetting. You know, in the last twelve months, this Madrid team has has starkly declined in a lot of ways. They've lost, they've dropped a lot of positions, they've dropped a lot of points. A lot of the players. That 12 months ago were genuine, you know, top one in their position in, in the world and no longer in that, no longer that case. I mean, their midfield of Cruz and Modric have aged quite badly in the last 12 months. They're not the, the same two players that they were. Benzema's dropped off, off a cliff a little bit. They don't really have anyone who's consistently able to partner Ronaldo at, at the top of the game. Um, a lot of people talk about Marcelo a lot and we'll talk about Marcelo later on in the show because he's one of the interesting one of the most interesting players in that team. But I don't think this Madrid team is, there, is anything to be scared of. They don't think we're anything to be scared of. Why should we be scared of them? I did, I did, I can't some of the numbers. I had a look at our our league position, our sort of, in the league. Liverpool and Madrid have got almost identical, almost identical numbers. They've scored 10 goals more than us, but they've conceded 6 more. We've got a better defensive record than Madrid this season. In the league and in the Champions League. So, I don't, you know, Madrid have got what's won one game more, picked up one point more than us this season, and have only got a four better goal difference. So, it's just, there's absolutely nothing about this Madrid team other than their reputation and Ronaldo to be worried about. That's the thing for me, at least. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Well, that's
2: yeah.
1: what I mean. Their reputation, their, but their record is from a different team, almost. Uh, the way, the way they've declined point. over the last 12 months. Especially in across the league, it just show that they are not the same team they were twelve months ago.
2: Definitely, and I d- I take what you're saying. And if you're asking me, would I rather, would I rather be playing around with this year or last year? It's definitely this year that you can see how long they were in the league. And this year, they they've not been nearly as consistent. But as we've seen, and I know it's sort of very like like you saying, we can't we we can't we can only be scared by the reputation. It seems silly to be scared by the reputation. But as they've shown in the Champions League, on most occasions, when they have to turn up. They can. So it was in the semi-final against Bayern, I think. Was it PSG? They beat in the last 16 fairly comfortably. Juventus, obviously, was the set second leg of that quarter-final with a 3-0, 1-3-1 because of the, the last-minute penalty that's sort of been most talked about. But, of course, they did go to Juventus and win 3-0 in the first leg. Um So, like, the the t- the up team isn't as good Consistently, but I still think on their day they can reach those le- that that level. But but equally, like like we we're saying, there has been a lot of talk amongst all of the press and stuff that whilst Bromwich, like it's it's going to be like, they're going to get themselves up for a Champions League final. Of course, they are. They're fantastic, world class players, all driven to win. Like you can't tell me that Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be like, oh, it's only Liverpool. This should be quite easy. I'll score a customary tap in and we'll win three 0 But. Equally, you know, in the previous years, of the three and four, they faced Juventus, who were consistently in the latter stages of the Champions League. They'd been to a final against Barcelona a couple of years ago themselves. And the, the two previous to that, they were going for the Decima. They're playing their city rivals, Atletico Madrid. Of all the Champions League finals they've played in the last one, well, this is going to be their fourth. This is probably the one that they're going to be the least sort of, even if they don't realise it themselves, but deep down, this is going to be the one that doesn't matter to them as much they're not as desperate to win it now as they were in previous years of course you have to remember that um they were trying to they, like in the last couple like two years ago they were trying to win it off Barcelona because Barcelona regained it in the 14-15 season and then last year they were trying to become the first team to um do it back to back in 13-14 they were trying to go for the Decima this year what are they going for I mean they're going for three in a row fantastic but there's never been because no one's ever done two in a row there's never been much chat about doing three in a row They're not playing Barcelona. They're not playing a team that they need to sort of avenge against for a previous year. So whilst I sort of I'm sort of arguing my own point here by saying they can get themselves up. Something that I'm sort of thinking about inside is will they get themselves up in the same way they might if it was an Atletico Madrid, if it was a Barcelona, if even if they were playing say Juventus, Bayern Munich, Man United. Because we've not been on the European scene much in recent years, is there going to be that sort of sense of Foot off the gas a bit and that's the, and let's go back to something we answered a few minutes ago about how we've um, you know I can't remember the exact things but how we scored like 5 in however many minutes against Roma 3 in however many minutes against Toffenheim so on and so forth like 3 in 20 odd minutes against Man City I genuinely think that in the final if we are to win that could be the way it goes and I think I said someone on Twitter the day I can't see us winning the last 30 minutes because I think Real Madrid have got a deeper bench than us I think when the game starts to be played at a slower pe- play- paces, people tighter, and they will, that's going to suit Real Madrid's technically gifted players more. I can't see a situation, as much as I'd love to, where it's close in the last, going, where it's let cl- say there's one goal between the teams going into the last 25 minutes and Real Madrid don't come out on top. I think our best chance is if we can summon everything we've got, if we can summon that performance, like, levels of sort of at home to Man City. Um, and catch Real Madrid off-guard in the first half and get a 2-3 goal lead and then go from there. And I know like we don't have a tangent about which every, every single player and how they're going to be crucial, but just to touch on uh, so I think like, Emre Chan quickly, I was so delighted to see him back up training because if we could have him on the bench, generally, if his last contribution is to come off the bench for the last 25 minutes and help us see out the game defensively if we've got a lead, that would be absolutely amazing. Something that is could... But theoretically, if we can get a lead, there's a lot of those in books, but say we do have a lead, that could be a huge boost that I don't think many people are talking about, sort of just, you know, getting a player back on the bench.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're both spot on in terms of, well, I mean, there's a couple of points I agree with. Um, In terms of Real Madrid and looking ahead to, to the game and Liverpool's stance as potential underdogs, I think, you know, Tom especially is spot on when you say, you know, why are we underdogs? Because... As we've seen this season in the Champions League, I think it was Spurs against Real Madrid, but it was that high press that they adopted. You know, English teams really, really coming out the blocks fast, and and Real Madrid couldn't couldn't live with it. And yes, okay, they they ended up progressing and they've got themselves to the final, but it's that sense of urgency that Klopp side have that could cause Real Madrid some real problems. And then also you've you've got these this idea that. You know, OK, Liverpool aren't great defensively, but neither are Real Madrid, actually. There have been a couple of times where they've shown their own weaknesses, so it's definitely going to be a high-scoring game for me. I think we, we've we not seen Liverpool stick to the script of a cagey 0-0 or a 1-0 in terms of knockout stage games, which is usually the case in these type of competitions. Liverpool have simply just blitzed teams, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes of just crazy football and then they'll, they'll stop and okay, the foot will come off the gas and the team will come back into it. And, and as Ollie said there, you know, last 30 minutes, we're probably not going to be the team that's on top. But as long as we can blitz them in, there's enough evidence to suggest we can do that because the defence isn't airtight. It's not watertight even. Spurs have shown that there is something that can be done against this Real Madrid team in terms of intensity. So, there's definitely some positives to, to take into the game. Okay. People point out, you know, it's Ronaldo v. Trent and how, how big is that going to be in terms of a, a 1v1? But there's a lot of other battles on that pitch. Um, age, energy, you know, who wants it more that, that come into it as well. And then the second point being Emery Chan. I think, um, a lot of people have debated it on Twitter. You know, he, he seems destined to leave. There was, I think it was, um, someone from the Telegraph said he, he's basically off to, to you, they are to the it's final. That's
1: Guardian as well, not
0: it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, he seems basically off, and a lot of people have said, "Well, if he's not committed to Liverpool, why are we giving the, you know, the chance to play in the final? Should he even be on the bench?" It's important to note for games like this, it, it really doesn't come down to just the starting eleven. It's it's about the people on the, the bench. That's why it's good to have the likes of Lalana back. It's why Emery Chan for me should be on that bench because he's an experienced player. He's been, you know, an international footballer for, for Germany a couple of times. Okay. Not in, you know, his, his favoured position, but he's been there and he's got the experience and he's got, you know, good ability. No one can doubt that this is a player that's a very, very good player, you know, well past potential. So to not have him on the bench really for me doesn't make much sense. Um, only if it's a case of fitness, but this idea that, you know, he's off so, why play him? I, I don't really buy into that at all. And I'm sure, Tom, you probably agree with that based on, you know, your love of MA Chan.
1: People are morons. Absolutely <coughs> moronic. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. There's no other word for it. It's fucking stupid to look around and go, well, I'm not sure that lad's 100% committed. We're not going to put him on the bench in a Champions League final. No, that's absolute nonsense. If you're going to be petty enough to not want him on the pit, on the bench, that's your problem. But we want the best players on the pitch. We're playing Real Madrid in a final. This isn't, you know, Fucking Swansea at home. You put your best players in that team, and if Emery Chan is fit, he should be starting because he's the best possible option to win that game. And there should be nothing more than that. This the not committed nonsense has come out of absolutely fucking nowhere, nowhere. There's been not, you know, this idea that he's not committed is just complete crap because he's been he's been in the same contract situation all season. Nothing has changed, and he's been committed all season anyway. It's just it's just a lunacy. It's petty and it's childish, and it's Liverpool fans who just. Are, so far up there on arse's, I don't even have a word for it. Cause isn't, you want your best players on the bet, on the pitch, on the bench. We don't have that many options in the central midfield. What are you, who are you gonna play there? Fucking Guruich. Or, I mean, we can't even get Guruich. Do you know what I mean? It's gonna be fucking Curtis Jones or someone. That's guess- just, it's just, it's just stupid. It's just beyond stupid that the idea that we wouldn't want him at least on the bench if he's fit. Like, it's a Champions
2: League final. If, if, you know, it was our last game of the season when we'd already confirmed sixth place and we were playing Watford, then fair enough, I might say, you know what, I don't think he's going to be that bothered. But then again, I don't think any of that. But like, regardless of what he's doing in the summer, Emery Chan wants a Champions League winner's medal. Like, are you, if you're asking him, do, are you that bothered about the final? Of course he is. He's, like, he's going to Juventus, yes, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to win the Champions League whilst he's here. It's, like, well, I agree with Tom. it's lunacy. Um, I can't see him starting Because he's not played In, in months But I'd like He's got to be on the bench P-R-A-L mate P-R-A-L Yeah Fair enough Point taken But still But even so Like 50% I would have him on the bench It's not about For me It's not about Is he fit enough For the bench It's Is he fit enough For 10 minutes Or is he fit enough For 15 minutes Is he fit enough For 15 Or is he fit enough For 20 Like when can we use him Because like I said I think he's like, The best Defensively minded Midfielder in our squad And having him Coming on to like, you know, be in the right areas When Modric and Kroos are trying to pin them about With tiny left against tired defensive legs Could be absolutely huge
0: Especially, yeah, especially when you've got You know, looking at that Real Madrid team We talk about depth, but they've got so many Attacking options that can fit into that but, Effectively the number 10 role Which is where, you know, Emery Chan will come on And probably blanket So, they, in they that, that sense, fresh legs Yeah, years. Like, exactly
2: can't All have, vast like, is. Yeah, like, no offence to Henderson and Milner who have been a brilliant this season in the run and deserve all the plaudits, but I'm sorry, but if you're asking me what do you think is going to happen with when a fresh Isco Descensio come on against a tiring Milner and Henderson, there's only one answer. It's lunacy to suggest that it's a good idea for our midfield three that are going to start to play the full 90 regardless of what goes on.
1: Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Um, I, 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 it just, it just strikes me as absolute madness. We might have Milana coming on as well. That could be helpful. I mean, if there's one lad you want to come on and just run in a circle for 20 minutes, maybe yeah. not, maybe not with anything other than the running, but the running itself might be vaguely. Maybe helpful.
2: for like for Bobby, because like I think Bobby's going to have a huge role, and I, I, I don't want to like go in a long-winded tactical thing because A, we don't really have the time, B, it's not my area of expertise. So like, go and listen to like all the fantastic pods and read really the fantastic articles on tactics and stuff, build up the final. But the way I see it is that he- because of the Madrid's crossing game, Henderson's going to have to drop in and sweep up a lot. And that's going to very often leave Milner and uh, Wijnaldum outnumbered, or, or even like two on two, but against a technically superior Real Madrid midfield, which is going to see Bobby coming back to help out a lot, and is going to see him knackered. So I can very much then see a sort of situation for Lana the Lana replaces Bobby with 20 to go. Save, like, the scores level, or even, God, God he, he, please, let us be winning. And then you sort of just counter up to Mane and Salah. Um, like, I, I do, that. I'm not as Lana's biggest fan, but <clears throat> coming off, uh, again, it should be, he should be mentioned in the same category as Chan when we're talking about players. It's fantastic to have back even if we can just use them for 20 minutes off the bench. Because, although we've, like, the game management against Roma was sort of, uh, I, I think it's blown up by the fact they scored a screamer and got a dodgy penalty late on, but I think people are saying, oh, well, what if we could have brought this player or that player on? We've now got this player or that player, and although they're not everyone's favourites, they are, they're talented, and you can't say that not having like, having it either of them for 20 minutes at the end for a specific game situation wouldn't be useful.
0: Yeah, I think um also just sort of bringing in another article that's on the um, Amploid Index site at the moment is by Henry Jackson, who writes about how Liverpool, the, the nice guys so often referred to, have you know made it to the final. This is their their chance at glory, and I think that's another aspect that really needs to be talked about. This isn't a team who get in the face of referees that often or uh, blatantly dive like a certain Englishman. Um, but you know there isn't that sense of. Suarez came with a lot of um, uh, controversy. Suarez came with a lot of controversy and. You know, he, he was very, um, disliked by the English media, disliked by the, you know, the referees and things. But this team, in his current group, you know, you've got Jordan Henderson, okay, he might get in, in the referee's faces sometimes, but you've got Daisy Lover and Emre Chan, Danny Ings. You know, they're not those type of players. So, it, it's nice to see, without the play acting, without the time wasting and things, Liverpool have got themselves in a position where we could end the season with, with a lot of glory.
1: I'd sell it. I'd, I'd I'd sell it. I'd give away all that all that goodwill just for so, a cheat, cheat like absolute monster Give me two dodgy penalties and like Salah rolling around for ten minutes oh, after
2: he's touched by Ramos. We need we need to be trying. That's to get another Ramos reason we need. Off.
1: That's another reason we need Emre coming on because Emre's is probably the biggest bastard in our yeah, team. He be, uh, need, yeah, I mean
2: we need, we need Ramos sent off. I'll tell you for a while. Not because he's a particularly good defender, although he's like decent, but because he would score, score a goal, yeah. Yeah, we need to send off before the 80th minute where
0: he's scoring. I'm not saying that, you know, a bit of um, nastiness in football is not good. We've seen a a little bit of time wasting that's got us this far. And, you know, that's obviously gonna play a hand in the final. Real Madrid's are experts at it, they do it all the time, they're great at play acting. Uh Cristiano Ronaldo is testament to that. But I think the point that Henry's trying to make is Liverpool have so often struggled to get in these positions because they're the nice guys, but actually this time we've got ourselves in a final where we have a chance at glory, we have a chance at, at lifting number six, and it's without all of that. So that's not to say that going into the final we don't want to see it, and we hope we stick to our morals and whatever happens happens. You know, if Salah gets a chance to to roll around on the floor and send Ramos off, of course we want to see that, but. The point being, there's no great need or emphasis on time wasting and play acting so far for Liverpool to have got to where they are.
2: Yeah, we like you saying like we don't need it to win. We've shown that whilst other teams, like United, might um, need that sort of thing in order to win because they don't know how to otherwise.
1: Madrid as well. Let's be fair. How much of, how much of Madrid's reach the final has been has been through play acting and dodgy refereeing and other bits and bobs. But like, let's be fair. More than ours.
2: More than yeah.
1: ours. Well, I think um, the best. Honestly, I think the best way we neutralise that is just be winning. But like, it sounds yeah. stupid. But Madrid are not going to time waste if they're the ones needing a goal with ten minutes to go. Yeah. And I, I'd, th- I'd, th- I'd be surprised if we weren't winning at some point in this game. That, that I think. Awesome. We'll, go on. I think we'll score. I think we'll score a couple in the first half at least. I, I think, think realistically we now, should be. Two minutes. Thing is, I could see them scoring early. That's my worry. I could see them scoring early, and that's what I'm worried about. Because I think if we can get in the game early, we score inside ten minutes. We could easily be three or four up by half time. Yeah. I don't. Thi- I, I don't think this Madrid side are any better defensively than Man City or Roma or Porto or Arsenal or any of the other teams that we've absolutely ripped apart when we've had the opportunity to. I don't think they're any better defensively. We'll. I mean, we'll go on to talk about tactics in a minute. But I don't, I, I can't see us not scoring in this final. I don't think, you know, it's going to be a high scorer. I saw one, here's one good stat for you guys. Nine of Liverpool's last ten Champions League games have had at least three goals in them. And nine of Madrid's last nine Champions League games have had at least three um, goals in them. So it's I pretty like safe that we'll get at least the three goals. wasn't for us was the dead for after we beat 5 0. You would be dead on, yes. And, and look, go, follow on from that.
2: With good one. I was reading, um, Andrew Beasley, a fantastic stat on Twitter. I'm sure he's like one of your symbolic fathers. Oh, I, I steal, I steal yeah.
1: so many stats off him. Like, so many. He's, he's
2: unbelievable. And he's, he did a, he does a Paddy Power for, uh, some like, big local games. He was doing the Champions League final one earlier. And I was really intrigued to read that there are, the odds for the, for a nil 0 uh, with 12-1 are the same as the odds for the game having 8 goals or more.
1: I think it's more, I think it's more likely to say goals than there's none. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely, I genuinely do, like.
0: And for, for further context, um, you know, Liverpool have scored more goals in the Champions League this season than in their entire Premier League tally in 2011 and 12. So again, that's ridiculous. And you're looking at 2014-15. Okay. That was a a very, very bad season of Lambert, Barini, Valatelli, but that only was 52 goals. So we're not really. We're only six behind that. That's not very yeah, many you when you're considering the 100%. amount of games. No. Yeah, and well, yeah, <laughs> that's confidence for you. <laughs> we've,
1: scored, um, we've scored ten goals more than Madrid in this campaign so far. I bet yeah. they were they were had a lot harder teams to play up against overall, but that's that's still quite significant.
2: Basically, they've got Ronaldo, Bale, Benzema, Chris Modric, Bale, and like Isco. Do you think? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? As in I Isco will start, was,
1: guaranteed. Guaranteed, disco starts. I'm not. It might. It might be Bale, Ronaldo, Isco, but there's no way Esco doesn't start. There was no a lot of saying
2: that because Bale wasn't expected to start their last league games, they're pretty much on full strength for sort of preparation. Got, apart from, I think Ronaldo might. I know. I think Ronaldo played. They got all the two nil lead to the round, which hopefully, if they want to do that on Saturday without losing. Um, but yeah, Bale started that. Had Benzema. So that was an interesting one.
1: Yeah, Benzema might be on the bench, but I don't think Isco will be on the bench. I think it's I no kind of,
2: I kind of hope that, I kind of hope that Benzema starts ahead of Bale because he scares me much less than Bale does. And all, but, th- but all equally, the thing is, if Bale's starting, if it's Bale, Ronaldo, Isco, that's probably Ronaldo as the central striker, isn't it? Yeah. And we'll although be- I'm saying that I'd rather see Benzema ahead of Bale because Bale scares more Benzema. I'm much less scared of Ronaldo playing as the natural striker than I am Ronaldo coming off the left for the pure reason that mm. I don't trust Lovren to keep an eye on Trent. I, I'm scared. I, I, I'm having nightmares. I I Ronaldo
1: don't think Ronaldo
2: of iso- Trent Ronaldo for a header in six yard box.
1: I don't think Ronaldo will play as a winger. I think he'll either play as a lone striker or in a two. I think if Benzema plays, they play four four two, and if Benzema doesn't play, they play four three three. Um, the player I'm actually most worried about is Isco, because I think he's the one with a bit of trickery, with a bit of something about him. He's the one that is not just gonna be direct. He's the one who's gonna be a bit trickier, a bit more difficult to break down. He's gonna be something...
2: Something Very struggle against more.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I'm really worried about Isco. I mean, Ronaldo obviously in the air could be a problem, but we just need to stick DVD on him like fucking men. Yeah. But like, but yeah, I, I, Isco is the one that I'd be most worried about, because I think he is the genuine talisman in that Madrid side. Every time I've seen him, he's been the one most likely to make something happen. That, that's my take on it anyway. I,
2: I, I am worried about that in the sense that I was talking before about how I think Madrid do cross the ball a lot regardless if it's Benzema or Aldo or Bale. They're all big guys with great leaps and Carvajal and Marcelo will swing those balls in all day. So I think we're going to see a lot of Henderson like, I think there's going to be a brilliant highlight after the final of Henderson just like, find, get into the knockdowns first from whoever flicks it on, whether it be one of our centre backs or one of their forwards and clear it. And then from that, we're going to see Wijnaldum and um, Milner doing their best to close down on Chris and Modric. So then, what he was saying this was what scares me is if a space created between Henderson, who's there, like, helping the centre backs, and Wijnaldum and um, Milner getting up the pitch to try and press the, Real Madrid centre mid, of that sort of extra Real Madrid attacker, like in Isco, it's going to be therefore the space to operate in the sort of, that sort of like gap between Henderson, and the sort of more two advanced midfielders, that's something I'm really interested to see if we can and how we sort of counteract it. It might not be, but it might not be the case, then. we might just say, right, well, we'll, we'll drop Henderson in helping help centre back, top the knockdowns, Milner goes slightly ahead to cover that space, Then you get Firmino coming in to press the centre mids. So it's going to be interesting. But that, but that, they're the sort of two things I'd say that worry me the most, sort of in sort of how it's going to play out is. Ronaldo, given his fantastic leap and whatnot, getting isolated for his trends at the back post for header and or that or sort of um, sort of more technically gifted sort of an Isco Madrid player being able, because we're focusing so much on their fantastic centre-fielders and their fantastic forwards, sort of getting that little gap between the two to sort of pull the strings and create chances here and there.
0: Yeah, I think um, just moving on to another article on the website at the moment, which is a brilliant article from Josh um, on his thread. If you haven't looked at it, definitely check it out on Twitter. His app is distance covered, I think, but it's just giving his thoughts on, um, how Liverpool can potentially beat Real Madrid. And a key aspect of that is looking at Marcelo and his positioning and how maybe Salah is able to exploit that based on how frequently Marcelo pushes forward. It's, you know, it's not too dissimilar from what Moreno does in that he bombs forward and he leaves clear, clear gaps in the Real Madrid defense. Um, You know, I'm assuming you both have checked out, but what do you think of that? Do you think there is a a real way for Liverpool to exploit that, especially for Salah? And even if it's not Salah, let's say Real Madrid find a way to to keep him out of the game like against um, Chelsea in the Premier League, which wasn't his finest day, um, albeit with a a very changed, um, you know, a a very, very big fixture list at the time and lots of tired legs. Um, Do you think even if Salah is potentially kept out of the game with Mane, with Firmino. There's there's enough there to be exploiting the likes of Marcelo.
1: I they won't keep I'm,
2: Salah in the game. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not worried about Salah being kept out of the game because the times where it ha- he has been season is because not because he's has necessarily a bad game, but because the opposition stuck three or four men on him and we've not been creative enough elsewhere to sort of drag those men away from him. So when Ashley Young, inverted comes, did a job on him at Old Trafford. It was because he had three or four of the United players helping him, and like the rest of the squad weren't able to sort of take advantage of the space that created for them. Marcelo bombing on is sort of, obviously it's kind of interesting because Salah doesn't stick to the right touch side all game, so it's not like Marcelo's going to push on, we're going to catch him, and Salah's going to run down the right and cross the ball in. But what I can see is because of Firmino's movement, if we can get the ball back quickly and Marcelo's up the pitch, we can often get the sort of an exchange we've seen quite a lot this season, if, is it when like sort of, you get Firmino streaming out to the right, where there's been a big gap left by centre back uh, by Marcelo. Sorry, he drags the centre back there, and then suddenly you've got Martin coming in, you've got Salah coming in to the middle, and then you've got one centre back left. You've got Marcelo half over up the pitch. You've got Carvajal trying to keep up with Marne, that's what Marcelo's doing. And suddenly then we've got three on threes and three on twos, two on threes popping up all over the place. Um, but equally like, like you said like Marcelo is like going to be the Jekyll and Hyde I think. I think I know Tom said he's one of most sort of interesting players ahead of the final I think he's bang on there because like we say you know his sort of attacking nature and the space he leaves which has been beautifully highlighted by Josh is going to create a lot of chances for Liverpool to sort of get their attacking movements and sort of uh, interchanges flowing as they go forward but equally you know we're all sort of slightly ponderous as to what's going to happen. Like, with Trent v. Ronaldo, obviously, Trent's been brilliant this season, Like it, his performances against Sane were, like, two of the most sort of impressive fullback performances I've seen, given sort of the circ like, just how well he plays in general, but also given the circumstances, who he is as a teenager in his debut season, coming up against one of the most in this in Europe. So, you know, we going to throw him up against Cristiano Ronaldo, multiple-bound all winner, and then who's charging up the flank behind Ronaldo, probably like the best attacking left back in the world. Probably someone who, if he really wanted to, could go and play as a winger or an attacking midfielder. And mm-hmm. I think that it's going to take hell of a lot of covering from Milner and Alden to, and um, arguably sort of positional centre from Lovren to shift across, depending on where Ronaldo is, to sort of stop him. Um, as so like, like I say, like Marcelo is going to leave a hell of a lot of space in the pool, but I hope that it's sort of, it, I think we've just got to accept there are going to be times where Real Madrid gets some joy down the left, but we've got it down their left. But we've got to sort of take advantage of that by getting more joy out of Marcelo's position if you get me. So it's going to be one of those where, which is why people are predicting such an open final because the nature of the two teams and what they do is that for every Real Madrid attack, unless they score, there's probably going to be a Liverpool attack coming right back, and you know, vice versa.
1: Klopp has got a huge, huge decision to make on Salah. He really does because the way I see it, Madrid. Madrid play with quite a narrow attack. Their wingers tend to play basically like inside forwards, especially if they play the 4-3-1-2, which is what they've played a lot of times this season, which I think is what most people are kind of expecting them to play, where they don't really have a natural wide player on the left or right, in which case they, so they are so reliant on their full backs for width. in which case Klopp's got a big decision to make. Because look at it this way. I know I know, you said you don't think Salah will kind of hug the right touchline. I think he, I think he will, and I think he absolutely should in this game. Because I think if you... Against the team who plays with a back four and a bombing left back, the best place to have Mo Salah is where Marcelo should be. To have Mar- to have Salah 20 yards goal side of Marcelo, stood there, basically saying, "Give me the ball." What are you going to do if they pull a if they pull a centre back across? Bobby's got space. Pull the centre back and full back across. Mane's got space. Basically, stick Salah on the halfway li- on the halfway line, uh, basically hugging the right touchline. Whatever Marcelo does, and then what are they going to do? What is Marcelo going to do about that? Because Marcelo's not a defensive fullback. He's not going to drop back. Someone's got to get across. Is that going to be Casemiro? That leaves a gaping hole in the centre of the team. Is he going to play? But, but, is who going to play? Casemiro. Yeah, probably. I'd be surprised if it wasn't Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, Isco, Ronaldo, plus one. It'll either be Bale or Benzema. I'd be very surprised if it was any other lineup other than that. I think there's only, I think 10 of that 11 Madrid team are probably already, are probably already Predecided. decided For me, uh, this is what I've seen of them, and this is what I'm seeing other people say. I'd be surprised if it wasn't a straight choice between Bale and Bentham. Everything else would probably be pre-, will be as you'd expect. Um, don't think Asensio, Kovacic, Lucas Vasquez get a look in, but they might do. You never know. Um, but no, yeah, but the question is then, does Klopp say to Moe, you have to track Marcelo? Because equally, Equally, he, cause what, he's done this quite a few times where he's just basically said to Mo, you've got a license to stay, to stay there. You don't have to track back. It's, it's a purely tactical decision. Mo, you are not going to be asked to track back because you're being on the halfway line or being on the, on the edge is what will get us goals. Does he risk that tactical decision? Because it's easy to make that tactical decision when you're, when you've got a three goal advantage against Roma or when you've got a three goal advantage against Manchester City. It's a very, very different prospect when you're playing in a Champions League final against a team that are very attacking. And have the best attacking left back in the world. So does he ask Mo to do a lot more in this game? And maybe sacrifice a bit of what you would get on the counter? I don't maybe, think he does. Maybe, I he think he has done it before and it hasn't necessarily worked to our detriment. He has, asked, he, has asked, he has asked Mo to do that job and I don't think it's necessarily a big shift, but, and I th- but I think it could be important. I do think Mo will have to do quite a bit of tracking back.
0: I think he'll, he'll have to track back, obviously. That's, that's, obviously a key to cop system is that the attacking players put in their defensive shifts. But I also think it might be a case of this is the type of game where you're going to see Genie and Milner have a crucial role in terms of protecting the fullbacks. Okay, you, c- you can point and you can say that, well, actually, they've got to be focusing on Real Madrid's midfielders, which is a fair point. But Milner is a workhorse. Alden's already shown, you know, he's capable of of standing in and and helping the fullbacks in terms of their defensive duty. So I think it will, it will be sort of a mix between the two. Salah will be asked to track back, but we don't want a case where Salah's energy is all put into that defensive work. And so when we counter, he's not there or he's, you know, not really able to, to turn around so quickly or last the whole 90. So he will hang wide. As you said, he will cover and help Marcelo, but I think, you know, there's also a crucial role for the likes of Milner, for, for Genie, and then Henderson, obviously, in the middle of those two, looking to, to deal with this go.
1: What, what
2: I think might happen is that Clock will look at it and, and sort of say, like, the best chance of us winning, I think most of it is is if we're winning at half time, or go on from that and say, you know, can we, can we get a lead? And I think what he might do there is go how we naturally go, as in, like, so just, you know, side on the right. Get the space for Marcel, use Bobby up front, Arno on the left, with the three midfielders, Henderson slightly deeper. But what could be interesting is if, say, we go one or two goals up, and then Klopp's trying to think, right, how can I balance, how can I keep us, you know, Gunko going forward without exposing ourselves at the back of, like, the round of pressure just builds and builds. And what might be interesting then is if we sort of see it becomes more of, say, like, a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1, where rather than saying to Mo, right, we want you to track back, go forward, track back, go forward, we want you to, like, you push Mo up, maybe, as, like, the striker, Essentially, but obviously it won't be a perfect formation of it, but like sort of just to the right of where the striker would normally go and then have Bobby deeper behind. And then you sort of pull Marnins, quite a disciplined left midfield role, and then sort of have Henderson, Milner and then Alden sort of in a sort of right centre mid to right midfield role, just mostly helping um Mostly helping Trent, and then just sort of keeping his shape in terms of blocking passing lanes when one of the Madrid Madrid centre midfielders got the ball. Equally, that could be Milner's roles, and he might be the one that does that, keep wide and directly in the middle. Just wondering, like we could see it in a position where if we do go ahead, that is the sort of plan us in. We don't think, right? It's like in some in some rounds, say against Roma, what we did was we just we stuck with it essentially, so we just kept going. It worked because it went to five 0 So once it got back to five two, it wasn't that bad. But in the final Klopp, against better opposition, Klopp might not want to take that risk. And such. So you might think, right, if we can get 2 up, then there's a plan for how we're going to keep the lead whilst keeping the threat on the counter-attack. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to, if anything, move Salah up more, drop, drop Bobby back a bit, come more discipline in the field, give cover, because because in Madrid, go behind. They will start... That, that is like Madrid's like answers, and they'll go to Marcelo, try and drag defenders about, create space for Ronaldo, create space for crosses and headers. I don't think Madrid are that unpredictable. They're, they're unpredictable in the sense that they've got individuals that can produce a moment of magic. But in terms of how they're going to look to operate their attacks and how they're going to look to get on the pitch and where, sort of, you know, the, where it's going to start with Ramos, going to like Marcelo, get on the field and get it out on the left. They're not going to attack down the right as much. So I wonder if Klopp has got a plan. If we get ahead, is he then going to shift something to try and nullify that threat down the left? As opposed to a nil-nil, where he might sort of give them a bit more leeway down the left, but in order to keep us a, sort of a threat early on going forward. It's, this is what yeah, I
1: mean. Sorry.
0: That's right. I was just going to say a quick comment that it's it's definitely interesting in terms of Marcelo, especially because he's so key to the way Real Madrid attack in many ways. Because as you said, Oli, with the you know the crosses into the box, that's a big part of their threat. Um, is is you know, with Ronaldo, with Benzema, whoever it is in that box. But then defensively, as well as we're as we're saying here, that that's a chance for Liverpool to exploit. So it I'm not saying that the game comes down to that one individual, but he will have a big part, in Liverpool's ability to to track him and to exploit that space will obviously have big ramifications on who comes out
1: on top. This is what, the, yeah, this is what I mean when I say the Marcelo is interesting because Liverpool's front three is quite lopsided defensively in the sense that if you watch Sadio, Sadio isn't. I think Sadio is well, maybe one of the more underappreciated workhorses on our side because he tracks back defensively so much, and he's really good at it. Like He's one of those players where I don't think maybe he gets enough credit for how well he tracks back on us, which is one of the reasons why our left-hand side is so solid defensively, cause, not just because Robbo is damn good, but Robbo is damn good, but because Sadio tracks really, really well. And that's, one of the, that's maybe one of the reasons that last season we tended to struggle because someone like Moreno or Milner did not get as much cover Whereas uh, whereas Kleiner right back was getting quite a bit of cover from Sadio, uh, I genuinely think Sadio is a really so- solid defensive player, and that's why I think it's interesting because our most attacking, our best attacking outlet, and our the most attacking side and the least defensive side of our team is exactly the same as Madrid's in the sense that their their left hand side is going to be the point that they're going to look to attack, but equally it's not going to be the side that we're going to look to defend. So I, that's why I think I, I agree with both of you. A lot of the play is going to go through that Marcelo Salah channel. But equally, that could backfire on us so, so spectacularly. If we, if we don't get enough cover on Marcelo and he's able to run, run us right, we might not even be able to get the ball to That's the, that's the counter issue, isn't it? And that's why I think it's really, really interesting. But one other point I want to just draw out on Marcelo is that it's not just his positioning in attack, it's often his positioning in defence, if that makes sense. I don't know if you guys have seen the, um, the pictures of, or the video of the VRL equaliser at the weekend. But Marcelo is about, is about five, ten yards behind the rest of his defence. He's got no idea where the attacker is. So it's not just, it's not just counter pressing and it's not just countering Marcelo being caught high at the pitch. It's Marcelo's general defensive play, which I think could be a real issue for Madrid. So it's not, I think the discussion of how we're going to expose Marcelo in a counter attacking sense is really, is really important. But equally, I think the general play, I don't think he's anywhere near, anywhere near as good a defender as Carvajal. Even in, even in non-transitional plays, but even when Liverpool already have the ball and are trying to work it right. So I think Salah could get a lot of change out of him, even in, even when he's in a, a standard defensive position, even when he's not, you know, 10, 15 yards too high for pitch. So I think that's what will be really interesting from my perspective. But I think it helps Madrid in the sense that their best outlet is up against potentially our weakest defender in Trent. And whereas from our perspective, our best attacking outlet is up against their Worst defensive player in Marcelo, so. i am interested I'm, to see that I mean, he, my he maps
2: after the game. From just like that one side of the pitch compared to the other. But yeah, I think you're thinking sort of, sat, as when we're in possession, what you're saying about Marcelo's sort of lack of defensive awareness and like keeping the line and stuff, that sort of trademark run Salah makes where he'll drop out, drop around outside and then just come inside and try and peel off behind the centre backs for a ball at the right time. That's only made easier by having five yards of being on side to play with because of Marcelo's erratic positioning. So if Bobby or maybe Marnie when he's cutting or Milner or Wanamaker for short, if they can get that pass right to release him, then I would definitely agree with you that not just when not that, like not just when we're counter attacking or counter attacking just when we've got possession of the ball, that will be a sort of area that we could exploit because we have to remember like they're it they could well be within Madrid's game plan to give us the ball like they. I don't think they will, because I think they're going to puff their chests out, say, we've won it three times, we've won it more in the last five years and you've qualified for it. I think they're going to puff their chests out and come and attack us and we're going to see how it goes. But equally, like, it wouldn't be the maddest thing in the world if they went a bit united, if they went, if they started, if they let us have the ball, if they went to the crosses and set pieces, if they rolled around, if they time wasted, blah, blah, blah. Because then as long as they don't go behind, they've got a pretty good chance of winning. So it is interesting to kind of think like, right, so if that happens, what can we do when we're dominating possession? How can we get at them? So in that case, you might not see Marcelo on as much. But equally, then if they do decide to do that, that brings into that brings Trent's attacking play into account because you have to remember that Ramos and uh, is it Nacho that's going to play alongside him? I think
1: it'll be Varane. Is, is he Ramos and Varane. Is Varane uh go? I think so.
2: Yeah, okay, well, Ramos and Varane then. I thought, I thought it was going to be Nacho. But anyway, that, like, they're not that Varane is very good, but I don't, I think Ramos is slightly overrated defensively. So then if we bring, if Real do go for the options too, that's to my point of long balls, niggly tackles, like rolling around, set pieces, blah, 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 and we have more of a ball. That then does bring our full-backs into play attacking-wise. As you we're talking a lot about how's Trent going to fare against Ronaldo, and Marcelo, how's Robinson going to do against Bale or whoever. But then, if we're talking about what we can do in possession, which I think is a very underrated trait of the single team that there's always a discussion about, oh, we could do with a more creative centre of the field or whatever, but our full-backs, when we're in possession, are very effective at linking up with their wide men, getting forward, and getting down, getting up, sorry, up the flanks to then get crosses in or cutbacks or whatever to trouble Real Madrid. So, I think, like, by sort of drawing on um, Marcelo's dodging position in there, Tom, you sort of took, like, a good point as to, like, we have got the tools to Break down Real Madrid If they do decide to defend As opposed to It doesn't. It might not be the case That it's an end-to-end I think it will But it might not be the case That it's an end-to-end game Where it's just counter-attack After counter-attack From either team It might be one where Especially if they get an early goal That we see a lot of the ball And then Like I say It's going to bring our full-backs Into play Which is equally interesting Because I'd love to see Robertson against Carvajal And I'd love to see Trent try and Sort of outfox Marcelo going forward
1: I'm game for that, because Madrid aren't that good defensively. I don't think they're capable of sitting back and defending. I really don't. They're not that good. They're not, they're not a Man United, they're not a Man United Chelsea-like team, or an Atletico Madrid-type team, where once they get a one goal up, you go, for God's sake, there's no chance we're gonna score. That, that's not their game. That's never been their game. I'm not sure they're capable of doing it. And Ramos is 32, so Salah's gonna run him ragged.
0: Okay, so um, just moving us on briefly, um, just to talk about sort of, the implications of Kiev, not just the game itself, but what it represents in terms of the journey this team are on. We touched on it briefly, but Tom, it's actually your article um, that I want to highlight here. Really, really good. And it, it I think it emphasises a really important point that a lot of people are saying, of course, you know, we're in a final, we want to win, we want to get our hands on the Champions League trophy. But if Liverpool do fail to win in Kiev, Actually, you know, there's not going to be, OK, there's going to be that disappointment and that heartbreak. But actually, this team is going places. There is real momentum and real opportunities. And you get that sense that this isn't just a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is something that, you know, maybe Klopp is going to be able to do on regular occasions with this team. So, you know, in terms of that, Tom, do you want to just discuss briefly, your take on, on Kiev and how it represents maybe more than just 90 minutes of football for this team. It, it represents where Kopp's project is going, but also that if we do lose, you know, there's a, a lot to take from this campaign.
1: Yeah, I think Kiev is one of those where it, it's interesting at the moment because in many respects, Kiev is the end goal. It's the sort of the end end point of a journey. It's the end of the season. And if we win the Champions League, that's ultimately what we've been, you know, one of the big things we've we'll been aiming for. But it's not the end for this Liverpool side, because if you look at the team and you look at where we're at, we'd, we'd, we're only going to be in a better position to do the same thing next year or to win the league or to win domestic cups. This is a team that are not going away. That's the key factor here for me. That This is not a Liverpool team that are looking like they're going to go anywhere, because all the key factors in, in building a long term, sustainable team are there. Robbo, Van Dijk, Trent. Uh, these are all players, uh, even someone like Salah. These are all players who were Ox, for example. These are all players who haven't even been at the club for a full season yet. Right. They haven't been playing regularly in this first team for a full season. So we've got a lot of that squad. Even someone like Karras, we've got a lot of that first team, a lot of that squad, who haven't even hit their, potentially hit their peak yet. This is a lot, a lot of players who are developing together and developing as a squad. And that's even before we start talking about who's coming in. We've got Naby Keita coming in. I think a lot, a lot of people almost forget we've got probably the best central midfielder in Europe. The best young central midfielder in Europe coming into this team. What, a, and he is a game changer. He is not just a good midfielder. He is a game changing midfielder. And he's going to be coming into this team. And we've potentially got more signings as well on top of that. We haven't replaced Phil Coutinho yet and we're going to, re- Klopp has made it explicitly clear he's going to buy an attacking midfielder to replace Coutinho this summer. Probably in a different mould and probably with a different style because I don't think Coutinho fit the team. But he's going to buy someone of a Coutinho ilk. And that's just even before we even before we start looking at how to improve the defence. The the simple fact of getting someone like Big Verge for pre-season. And that's even before, you know, talking about Klopp himself and where he's at. There are so many reasons to believe that there's absolutely no reason we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be aiming to do what we've been doing this season, next season. I mean, for me, that's the thing. No one was expecting us to reach Kiev this season. But people were talking about it as being, you know, the mid to long term goal. So in many respects, we're just we're just six months ahead of where we should be. That that's the way I'm looking at it. Kiev is basically a bonus. But if we look at Kiev as being a bonus, then then that still means that we've got the Kievs to come. We've got the next seasons to come because there's no reason Liverpool should be competing for either the league or the Champions League next season. No, I I said in my article the only the only reason I'm not confident we're going to win the league next year is because Man City have got all the money in the world, the best manager in the world and are looking to build on a 100 point season. If City weren't if City weren't doing what City are doing right now, which is potentially building the best Premier League team of the time, I'd be pretty confident we're going to go and win the league next year. But, you know, City are going to City so what can you do about that? Champions League, we're banging in it. We really are banging the conversation for Champions League next season because over we over 180 minutes we can beat anyone. There is no one in Europe who I am who I think Liverpool can't beat over 180 minutes. There are, there are plenty of teams in Europe that are better than Liverpool, like that, you know, on paper, and will be over the course of a, over, you know, over the course of 38 games. Man City are going to have Man City are a better team than us so over 38 games, and yet over and yet we've won three of the four games we played against in this season. We destroyed them over two legs in the Champions League. But um, you know, someone like even someone like you know Roma, they're pretty similar to us in terms of pedigree, in terms of where they are on paper, but we took them apart pretty comfortably for you know three quarters of that tie, so that you know. Even someone like, someone like Spurs, I'm not worried about. You know, Man United, they don't scare me particularly. Even teams like Barcelona and Bayern Munich, you know, they're not teams that you look at and go, "This is a team that is going to trash us over two legs." You know, so I don't think Liverpool needs to be overly concerned that they're going to get tortured in the Champions League next year. And certainly, there's space for a domestic cup win. I mean, you know, the likes of the teams that have won the domestic cups over the last few years were better than Arsenal. We're better than Chelsea. We're better than Man United. We're better than those teams when they won those domestic cups. So there's more than enough scope for us to go and win a domestic cup if we absolutely have to, although I don't see it as being a primary goal. So, you know, I think this is my point is just that this is a Liverpool team that see should be seeing Kiev as a stepping stone but and as a bonus, but they shouldn't be seeing Kiev they shouldn't be seeing Kiev as a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, they shouldn't be seeing Kiev as the end goal, and they shouldn't be seeing Kiev as something that can't be attained year on year. Maybe not, maybe not of the stature of a Kiev, in the sense that maybe, we, you know, I'm not saying we're going to reach the Champions League final every year, we're not going to win the Champions League every year, but we're going to be competing on fronts that matter every year. We're going to be looking to win trophies every year. We're going to be in a position over the next few years where we, you know, over the next three seasons, for example, I reckon we win at least three trophies. I think that's the sort of position that we are building to be towards. And maybe we don't get the breaks that we want, or maybe we don't necessarily win the trophies that we want but I feel like we'll be challenging we are challenging for the Champions League we'll be challenging for the Premier League we'll be challenging for those domestic cups. we are in a position now where we can start to talk about this Liverpool team as a team that is capable of winning trophies and I think that's that and I don't think that that even remotely hinges on what happens on Saturday night I honestly don't think Kiev makes a massive difference to, to the middle or long term of this team I think it'll it'll hurt if we lose it'll hurt a lot but I don't think it'll slow us down that's my take on it
2: that was a very exciting five minutes to listen to. <laughs> that, 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 sorry, that sounded very sarcastic in general, but like, everything you said there is sort of just like, as in like, I think you've sort of made the, your, your overall point, you've made perfectly there, Tom, and you explained that like, yeah, fantastic, let's be excited about the Champions League final. But you know, let's be excited about what's beyond the Champions League final as well. Uh, I think what you said about sort of Kiev being sort of a bonus is right, isn't like No one expects us to be here. It doesn't mean that we're any less determined to be it. now, we are here, but you know, no, none of us thought that it was even possible back in, well, of course some of us did, but very few thought it was possible back in London, you know, when Motherham gave that penalty away, away at Hoffenheim in the August, which seems like years ago now. And I think what, what you said about sort of, you know, what is to come is perfect. Like I was looking before, at, just dried down quickly here whilst you were speaking, some of the ages of the Madrid squad that are sort of coming to the end of this sort of period of dominance, at least sort of on the European stage. Um, you know, Marcelo's thirty, Modric thirty-two, Ronaldo thirty-three, Ramos thirty-two, Benzema thirty. Even their younger players are still sort of almost as old as was, like Casemiro twenty-six, Isco twenty-six, Al twenty-eight, Jesus um, Vasquez twenty-six. So like, and almost all those. Do you look at? They're not they're, like they're, they're attacking players that you'd say like you know how many they got left in them. But like, and then you compare it to the Liverpool team. So so in Madrid's team, so like let, let's just for the sake of argument, let's say that Benzema starter in the final. R- Ramos to Ronaldo, Modric, Marcelo, that, and Navas is 31, and obviously in goal. But that's still over half their side, over 30. Loss. Look at this Liverpool team. Trent Arnold's 19, Robertson's 24, Van Dijk's 26, which is still very young for a centre-back. Gene's 27. I think, I think our 24. average
0: age is something like 25, 24.5 or think, something. Yeah, I think it's, it's like, exactly
1: 24.5. Even the front thing. three.
2: Bob Salah and Mane, Bob and Mane are both twenty six, Salah's twenty so five. They've still got a couple of seasons of like pure dominance, attacking wise, left in them. So, I like, am not saying that this Liverpool team is going to go on and win three Champions Leagues in four years and the league title to do like this Real Madrid team, but it's sort of a nice comparison in terms of you know when you can get a group of players that are so good to get sustained together for such a for a three or four period. Just hopefully we can have this Liverpool team, then you know you could achieve like glorious riches from it.
1: Yeah, we've got. If we can get, if we can get in a couple of players with 24 this summer, that's three. That's three years of of players at their peak. Because 25 to 29 is peak, is peak yeah. players. So we've got, we've realistically got three years of this team at their peak. And some of those lads won't even be, won't even be at their peak in three years yet. Like Trent might be, Trent won't be at his peak in three years. Um, you know, uh, Gomez won't be at his peak in three years. Uh, Tr- Robo probably will be, to be fair. Absolutely, uh, sort of getting there. Oh well, let's assume we can keep him fit long enough. Um, I think but even Naby, Naby's only 23, so Naby won't be hitting his peak for another three years. That's mental. Think about on behalf. Yeah, th- of
2: Sam, I'm going to throw Ben Woodburn into that discussion too. <laughs> He's definitely not going to hit his peak in three years.
0: I think it's just yeah, as as you say, you know, using those average average age of the squads, it's it's an exciting time to be a Liverpool fan because it's as the article rightly says, it's not just about Kiev, it's about what Kiev represents, it's about where this team is going, and the fact that this is such a young team that actually this this momentum this journey this project isn't just for the the here and now it's for years and these players are, are likely to still be part of it in a couple of years because of their age so it, it's definitely you know really really exciting looking forward to saturday obviously a huge game it's, it's nice to see liverpool back in amongst the elite um i guess the question to to everyone then as we wrap up is predictions who do we think is going to win and what about the score?
2: Do you want to go first, Tom? Whilst I, I decide decided I'm going to go with my head or my heart.
1: <laughs> four or two. Let's say four-two, Liverpool. Why not? I think we'll be 3 0 up inside half an hour. Why not? Okay. It's very plausible. I think. I think it's very plausible. I think Mo. I think it's it's so easy for Mo just to go and do a madness. It really is. I don't. I I I, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think we're. I don't think we're that massive underdogs. I really don't. I don't think it's majority of American special. I really don't.
0: And Ollie, are you also going for a Liverpool win?
1: Yeah. And I'll say <laughs>
2: for like, So the, the idea of my head is that I think my head says, well, Madrid part of the bus a bit. And like North, like they go after our weaknesses rather than trying yeah. to maintain our strengths. And that, like, ma- makes me think they'll win 3 1. But what I actually think is going to happen, because I'm going to go with my heart on this, is that Madrid are going to come out and say, we've won it three times in four years, we're going to attack you, and we're going to win But they're going to put their balls on the table, and we're going to lock them right off with a 4 1 victory. And the Mo Salah hat trick?
0: For me personally, I, yeah, I think um, Liverpool will win. I think the emphasis for me is less so on Salah that, uh, this time around. I think obviously he's going to have a, a, a key role and he probably will get on the score sheet given his record this season. But I do think there is a, a, a huge role for Firmino, especially in terms of his defensive work rate, as we touched on earlier. Um, and That obviously depends on where he plays. If he is put on the wing just because of his defensive contributions or, you know, that flexibility of the front three is so good that actually it doesn't really matter where any of them start. Um, but it's those three as a whole for me that's going to have the impact on Real Madrid rather than an individual. It's, as we said before, it's Firmino's movement, it's Mane's pace, it's Salah's little bit of everything. Um, so for me, I'd say 3-1 Liverpool. I think it, oh no, 3-2 Liverpool. There'll be a nail biting uh, second goal in the last ten minutes just to make us nervous because that's the Liverpool way um, but yeah I, I think um, you know it's going to be an exciting game so I think we'll wrap up there uh, we'll go to Ollie first for any plugs just about Kiev or about anything you're writing or you know post Kiev
2: Um I'm like in the thick of exams at the moment. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but, um, No, you <laughs> so haven't I mentioned I, it at all. I've
1: not got
2: much on the writing. I have no idea that you are in exams. <laughs> this is so not. <laughs> um, oh. Like, you know, I'd I like to call Jürgen Cop. uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're west, yeah. I guess, you've let me rest it. I normally have something to call, but, sort of but I'll be writing something, which anyway, like, you'll be hearing from me at some point, but for now, just club the
1: reds.
0: And Tom, how about you?
1: Um, yeah, I've got a special plug this week, actually. It's, um, for a book that's going to be coming out in the next sort of few weeks or so. Um, it's by Shane Clancy, who's a brilliant writer for AI, and it's called The Team That Cop Built, Liverpool FC's 2017-18 season, and The Quest for Number Six. And what it is, it's just kind of an in-depth look over our whole season. He's taken it at a game-by-game basis. Obviously, he hasn't quite finished it yet, because it's still got to be, um, still, still finishing. The final chapter will be written next week, I think. Um, if, if, Shane can stomach it. Um, but it's going to be in partnership with Anfield Index as well, which is really, really cool. But it talks all the way, all the way from the start. So all the way from the early season struggles and then us becoming unstoppable all the way to Kiev. And it is going to be released next week once, once Shane has finished it. Cause obviously he needs to finish the last chapter. But it, it does look like a really, really exciting book. And I, I mean, I'm definitely going to read it. I, I've already said to Shane, I'm definitely going to read it. But, um, that's just my special plug of the week. So definitely check it out when it, when it pops and keep an eye on, uh, on Anfield Index. And Shane, because we'll be able to, uh, you know, plug that in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, yeah, that's my plan for the week.
0: Yeah, that definitely sounds like um, something to check out. Obviously, everyone's got a bit of Champions League fever at the moment, but hopefully Liverpool get number six and that's something to look back on, just at what this team has achieved. From um, me personally, I've got an article out should be tomorrow, I think, about how Liverpool have got this far in their, sort of, breaking away from the script of the usual nil-nil or one-nil cagey affairs to to just purely blitzing teams with, you know, minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes of madness, goal rushes that just push teams off the park um, and, and just how Liverpool have got to where they are and, again, what it represents and how good this team really is. Um, apart from that, yeah, just, you know, Look at the Amford Index website. There's loads of stuff at the moment about Kiev and Liverpool as a whole, and you know the team as a whole and the pro- progression that we're making under Klopp. Uh, so definitely check that out. And I'm sure Gags will have some very very interesting stuff in the next couple of days as he makes his way to Kiev. Um, so thanks for listening, and we will hopefully see you next week with number six.
1: Network.